This is episode number 99 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey friends, welcome on to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell. And Anita Lambert. I'm so excited for this episode because we got dozens of questions when I put out a call for questions about painful sex. So I know, Anita, this is something that you probably talk about a ton with the patients that you see in clinic. And this is the topic of conversation that comes up a lot with my fitness coaching clients too. So we are going to do a big roundup of the questions that you all sent in. But before we get into that, we just want to be super clear that when we talk about sex, this can mean a whole range of different things, and it can be so specific to you and what your own definition of sex is. We want to be crystal clear that we do not just mean vaginal penetration, penetration with a penis. We'll talk about this more as we go, but we want to have an inclusive definition of what sex might be, can be. So let's get into it. Question number one, why is vaginal penetration pleasurable in some positions, but painful in others? What say you? Yeah. So with this one, I think, I think a lot of people who um, hear this question might even be thinking already, um, you may have heard of something called the G spot, um, that certain positions um, are thought to be more pleasurable because this area um, inside the vagina is being stimulated. And what's interesting is that the G-spot has been studied, but hasn't actually been proven as a, like anatomical structure. Um, but it's just thought that there's an area kind of in the anterior vaginal wall. So if you're going uh, internally, kind of the top part of the vaginal canal um, is very sensitive. It has a big nerve supply. Um, so that area, and also with it being close to the clitoris, that, that's why it's thought that it could play a role in arousal and orgasm. So certain positions may more easily access this area. Um, but then on the other side, so this um, person who asked asked, you know, why are some positions painful? And so there can be a number of reasons for this. So sometimes if the cervix is being um, kind of hit internally, um, sometimes with like deeper thrusting positions, this um, can be common or certain angles, uh, depending on how the cervix is kind of being, being hit. Um, there could be tension around the cervix, but then also if you've had any um, 
cervical procedures. So like a biopsy, I've had clients too, where there's been certain areas around the cervix that might be a little bit less mobile and after having a procedure like that. So that could contribute to pain um, in certain positions. Um, also, if you've had stitches, so whether tearing or episiotomy, um, certain, again, certain positions, if that area um, is being rubbed and is still sensitive, that could contribute to pain. And then the, the last one too is also prolapse. So some individuals, depending on the prolapse, whether it's an anterior wall, posterior wall, um, or uterine prolapse, certain positions some people find to be uncomfortable. Um, so as you can tell, there can be a lot of reasons why pain might be a part of it. Um, and there's more reasons too, but I thought those would be some good ones to bring up. Yeah. What about you, Jess? Love it. I was going to ask you about the prolapse question or the factor. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Do you feel like there are any common themes with the people you see that say, for example, a anterior prolapse, a cystocele, they would find more pleasure in some positions or more pain in some positions? Do you recommend anything to try? I haven't found that to necessarily be the case. And I would say often, I shouldn't say often, but I don't find this to be true for everyone. So if you have a prolapse, it does not necessarily mean it's painful. I actually find that some people find um, penetration to be helpful because it's almost as if it's an anterior wall and depending what position you're in, it's almost kind of pushing back. Um, so yeah, I think it depends on the person. So we just kind of go through different positions or finding out what their experience has been and then kind of problem solving through, depending on the prolapse, um, recommending other positions to try and then seeing what, what they personally find. Cool. That's great advice. All right, let's do question number two. If we have sex for in quotations, too long, and then in brackets, it said five to 10 minutes of vaginal penetration, it becomes painful, almost like a burning sensation. Why? Mm -hmm. So again, there can be a lot of reasons um, for this. And I'm not sure when this person asked kind of also where their burning sensation is. So is it right at the urethra? So kind of where urine comes out or is it deeper? Is it at the vaginal opening? Where is it at the vaginal opening? So that is something to consider too. Um, so kind of one of the reasons could be um, dryness. So whether it's postpartum or also to do with menopause, when our estrogen is lower, that can contribute to dryness. And some people find initially on penetration, they don't kind of notice uh, an issue with that. But sometimes as penetration or sex continues, that's when they tend to notice something like a burning sensation or an irritation. So that could be part of it. Um, also do to consider if you're using condoms or lubricant or both, those can also be irritating. And again, not necessarily right away. It could be after, again, five or 10 minutes. Um, so considering with lubricants, I think a lot of people aren't aware that they can be quite processed and be irritable to our vaginal canal. So um, one in particular, so like KY jelly, which can be really common. If you do look at the ingredients, if you can pronounce all the ingredients, um, there, there's a lot of processed ingredients in it. Um, and so I also say look beyond something that says water-based. 
because that in itself isn't enough. Um, what one I really like to recommend is called Sliquid Organics, which you can get online. Um, it's vegan, water soluble, no parabens, no glycerin, um, petroleum. So anything that affects our pH um, or bacteria overgrowth, there's so many things we don't think about. We just think, well, it's a lubricant. Um, so things to consider and any of the ones too that can, you know, they're advertised as like tingling or like adding to sensation. I've had clients who come in and they're just like this, no, it just does not, it doesn't work for me. So just to be aware of that. And then also condoms themselves, um, they can be irritable too. And also to know coconut oil can be great. Um, and I'm often talking to clients about this. If you're using coconut oil with condoms, they don't necessarily go together. That coconut oil can, can break down a condom. So just to know that um, if you're not using condoms then coconut oil can, can be great for a lot of people. Um, so that's one thing to consider. And then also even infections. So like UTIs and some STIs can uh, contribute that burning sensation too. Um, stitching, so whether tearing or episiotomy, we've talked about that, and I'm sure in upcoming questions we'll be talking more about that. So again, sometimes initially that might not be irritable, but over time rubbing over that area could be. Um, and then vulvar varicosities. And I was going to ask you, Jess, if you've had clients or anyone talk about this, because this is something that I see in the clinic, but I'm curious as a fitness professional, if you've had mm -hmm. coaching clients talk about this. Yes. And they're always wildly surprised by them. I think it's one of those pregnancy symptoms that often is not talked about too much, but can be really deeply uncomfortable for people. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and exactly. A lot of people are kind of surprised if they've had them in a previous pregnancy I have a lot of clients who almost kind of like anticipate or expect them to come at some point, which sometimes they do come back in a subsequent one. Um, oftentimes they can go away after birth, even without treatment. Sometimes they do stay. Um, but in, so basically it's like veins can get enlarged. And so these can be around the vulva area. So often you'll kind of see them on the outside along the vulva and they can be various sizes and they'll look bluish. And so there's different things going to public physio, um, doing pelvic floor exercises can help with the circulation, uh, having the legs up. So getting kind of pressure off that area, especially if you're on your feet all day, compression garments, there's lots of different ways to try to help manage any discomfort. Um, but to know that sometimes that can be, um, can contribute to that burning sensation. And then lastly, pelvic floor tension, which we'll keep talking about and you've probably heard us talk about in past episodes and that can exist for a variety of reasons as well, but kind of tension in the muscles or, or overactivation of the muscles um, that, that can also contribute to pain with any sort of penetration intercourse, but also even that burning sensation. Such good info. Let's do question number three. This one I have personal experience with. So this person asked, why might sex be painful after a C-section? And I think this person was also referring to vaginal penetration. So this was definitely my experience after more so after the first C-section, less so after the second but this is also something that is so surprising to people after C-section. I find with my clients, they 
are not expecting vaginal penetration to be painful because they were thinking that their vaginal tissues didn't have any trauma to them during their birth. So why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And I think it's good to note too, I haven't seen research necessarily on you know, why or how the pelvic floor is impacted, but I would say clinically, I see this a lot. Um, and I would agree that a lot of times people having a cesarean birth are, are surprised the pelvic floor can be affected and not just with pain, um, with penetration, but also in terms of whether it's incontinence, um, even prolapse, so different pelvic floor symptoms. And so, I sometimes wonder with the the tension, is it to do with the actual um, surgical side of birth? So just how that area is impacted. And again, they're not going through the muscle or going through the pelvic floor, but just with where um, they're having to go in to get to the baby, to the uterus, that perhaps the pelvic floor is guarding the area. And also I think to... Um, that we know with pain in general or pain experience can be affected by um, stress. So emotion, mental um, stress and experiences and trauma. And if a cesarean birth was unplanned and there's that side to it as well, is it kind of our body and brain's way of trying to protect us and can be kind of the pelvic floor tension can be a factor from that. So I think there's a lot of different reasons why it could be happening. We just, we don't know why um, per se, but I would say it's pretty common and it can be helpful to just be aware um, ahead of time. But even afterwards, if you're hearing this afterwards and now this is kind of piecing together, you've had a cesarean birth, you have pain with sex, and then now you're realizing, okay, it could be a pelvic floor tension issue. Mm-hmm. And for me, I wouldn't have described the sensation necessarily as painful. It would have been more like a burning sensation, like the person in question two is asking. So for me, it felt, yeah, like burny, irritated, not pleasurable, basically, but not quite pain. So I think also to know that the range of sensation could be big with this one too. Mm -hmm. I also love, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say about the scar. Um, which I know you might touch on too, that I find scar mobility and all the tissue around the scar that we work on, often working on that changes what's happening in the pelvic floor. So I do think that there's a relation there. But again, we don't necessarily have um, evidence or research to show that. But anatomically, I feel like there could be a relation. Totally. And something that I think about a lot too, with just the difference in my two C-sections is in the first one, I labored for 37 hours and then had this surgery. And the second time I didn't labor at all and had the surgery. So it's just interesting consider to consider the stress on all the surrounding tissues during those events. And I also love that you were talking about considering the whole life, the whole person, their whole life, their thoughts, their feelings, their stress, their sleep. When we're talking about pain or discomfort with sex or intimacy, there is a whole person and a whole life to consider, not just the 
like physical body and the tissues and the function of those tissues. There's so much here in relationships and partnerships and we can't go through all of this today. We will eventually, we will get some people on here to talk more through this, but there's just so much here that we could be discussing. Okay, question number four. Clitoral touch sensation is too much lately. This is new. Why? Yeah, so with this, again, there could be a lot of different reasons. And I'm not sure if this person is postpartum or um, or if they have given birth or like at any point um, after giving yeah. birth. I can One give of the- you more info. Oh, okay. If you want. I don't think that they would mind sharing. This person has had three births all vaginal births. And I believe their youngest is three years old. Other kids are older than that. Mm -hmm. So sometimes what could be an issue is whether there has been stitches or episiotomy, there could be kind of restrictions in the tissue around that area. Even if it's not at the clitoris, but that it can kind of how things are connected can affect There's something called the clitoral hood um, that goes over. And if it's not kind of moving properly or it's it's immobile, um, that can affect the sensation there. So that could be part of it. If they are a few years postpartum, may or may not contribute, um, but that could be a possibility. Um, And then also that area is um, supplied by some people have heard of the pudendal nerve. So it's kind of a branch of this nerve that to do with the pelvic floor, this is kind of the most common one you'll hear about. And so if there's kind of tension or irritation or sensitivity of this nerve, then that can contribute to what you're feeling at the clitoris. So there can be a lot of different reasons and we won't go into depth about the pudendal nerve. We, that definitely deserves kind of a whole um, episode itself um, because there can be kind of so many aspects to that, but those are kind of a couple of things that could be related to why it's being so sensitive. I know also Sometimes I've had clients who, if they've had repeated um, UTIs or yeast infections, and even though the that itself has resolved, that the clitoris has been overly sensitive, so that can contribute as well. So there can be a number of different things. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Okay, two more questions to go. I love this one because this question comes up a ton for my clients. So what are the options when you can't see pelvic floor physical therapist? What do you do? Mm -hmm. So um, I would say first, it can be helpful if you can see, especially if you're not sure why you're experiencing this. And if you haven't already been in to see your GP, so your family doc, um, it can be helpful to see them. And again, depending what the pain is or what's going on, because if it, if what you're feeling could have anything to do with a possible infection, definitely you want to get that ruled out first. Um, And then also if you're postpartum and if there's a possible concern about stitches, whether from a tear tear or episiotomy, or even if you haven't had any stitches and things are not feeling right, I would still, I would recommend going in and have, make sure that they look and that you're kind of explaining exactly what you're feeling so that they can check out that area as well, just to rule out from their side of any issue. 
Um, and then they may kind of recommend, depending what's going on and if pelvic PT isn't an option, but maybe there is a specialist that they do want you to see. So I think that's a great place to be going. Um, also, there's online programs, which are fantastic too. So let's say you've kind of ruled out some of the infection side of things. Um, kind of a few that I really like. So uh, Shelly Prosco, who is a physio in Canada, and she's out West, and she does a lot of physio with yoga. Um, and she has some online programs, one in particular, like which has a lot to do with pelvic floor muscle relaxation, which can also can play a role with pelvic pain. And, um, and she does a lot in terms of pain and yoga. And then also Neil Pearson, who's a Canadian physio. He's not a pelvic physio, but he does a lot with yoga and pain science. Um, and again, has a lot of great online options for professionals, but also people in the community. So definitely online, there's a lot of options for people to look into. Um, and kind of piggybacking on that in terms of yoga, um, there has been more research looking into pain and how yoga can be helpful for all types of pain, but including pelvic pain. And yin yoga, so more of the you're holding kind of postures for a sustained period of time um, and working on the breath work that has been shown to be quite helpful for different types of pain and cleaning pelvic pain. Um, and then even scar massage. So if let's say you go to your GP and everything is fine in terms of healing, there's no infection with your scars, um, doing vaginal scar work could be helpful um, with your pain. And then also if you've had a cesarean birth, how we talked about before, working on the cesarean scar could actually impact your pelvic pain as well. Um, and then one of my favorite books, I have a few copies in the clinic and I let clients borrow it. Um, it's called Why Pelvic Pain Hurts. And it's by three physios. Um, so Carolyn Van Dyken, Adrian Lowe, and Sandra Hilton. And Carolyn Van Dyken, so she is a pelvic health physiotherapist in Canada. She co-founded a company called Public Health Solutions, which uh, trains a lot of us pelvic physios um, in Canada, across Canada. Um, and she has really gone into kind of the biopsychosocial approach around pain, pain science, and really pelvic health, um, kind of bringing that all together. So she is a great, great resource for us as physios, but for individuals in the community. So that book, Why Public Pain Hurts, I'm quite sure is on Amazon. Um, and I really like it because there are so many amazing pain books out there that look at general pain and can be good for individuals with pain. So this is not a book. Um, I should say professionals can read this book and get a lot out of it. But what I love is it is really written for clients and clients come back and asking like how, where can they buy this? And can they like let family members who are also experiencing something similar um, read it? It's just the stories and how things are explained really hit home because pelvic pain is such an issue. It can be different than other types of pain, especially because it's internal and we can't quote unquote see it. Um, that I feel like it's, it's important to have um, resources that specifically talk about pelvic pain because it is, I feel like a different thing to talk about and to look into. So that we'll put these in the show notes so people can um, look into this more, but that's kind of one of my favorite resources. 
I should also mention that in episode eight, we talked all about internal pelvic pain and talked about pelvic floor tension and the idea of down training the pelvic floor. So this is about learning to relax the pelvic floor, which can be helpful for so many pelvic pain issues. So we'll be sure to link that episode along with the flower bloom breath, which is the breath and visualization I use in the clinic to help clients learn to relax their pelvic floor. That is wonderful. One book that I like for my people is a book from Kathy Wallace, who is a pelvic PT out of the Seattle area. And I believe the title of the book is Reviving Your Sex Life After Childbirth, which might be not the best title for some people. I know some people have been a little like, ugh, over the title of that book when I've recommended it. But in that she goes through, um, there's specific images and coaching and notes on how you might want to do scar massage on the perineal regions by yourself. And that has been really helpful for a lot of my clients to see. So that could be useful. And I just think that the, I love that the main theme here in everything that you're mentioning too, is really like understanding pain and why it might be happening and what is contributing to it and really taking such a global look at it. I think that that is so key. So last question and this one, I hope we can maybe bust a myth or two. So will it get better naturally over time? Yeah. And so Kind of from the past questions or answers we've talked about, it really does depend. It depends on the factors contributing to the pain. So for example, um, if, if infection is involved, that is something kind of over time isn't necessarily going to get better, like that should be treated. So if that's kind of contributing to it, um, that won't necessarily get better over time. Um, but in terms of uh, also pelvic floor tension, so how we talked why it's present. So whether it's tearing, let's say, for example, tearing or episiotomy. Um, for some people, that area does how it heals and people don't notice pain over time um, with penetration. Um, but others, some manual release techniques are quite helpful and can be needed, um, exercises to help relax and lengthen the pelvic floor. Um, and then also how, again, going back to stress, um, whether it's emotional or mental or our experiences, past traumas we've gone through, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, sexual abuse or trauma, um, all of that can play a role in why we experience pain, especially pelvic pain. Um, and so something that I talk about with my clients, so for example, let's say tearing or episiotomy, we find there's pelvic floor tension, we address it from all different angles. And within my clinic space, when we do check the pelvic floor again, there is no tension there. The client does not feel discomfort or tenderness. And um, we kind of, we come to that conclusion within, in the session, but then they go, let's say that night and go home and have, want to have penetration or um, intercourse and they find it to be painful. So what I always prepare them for ahead of time and we work through together is again, our brain wants to protect us. 
So when we go back into that situation or event that has been painful before, our brain will be like, well, last time this was painful. Why is this time going to be any different? I'm just going to anticipate this is going to be painful. So I'm going to protect you. So I'm going to clench or kind of overactivate the pelvic floor. So we talk through ahead of time, preparing for that, having them talk through if they're with a partner in terms of forward penetration, um, talking to their partner ahead of time of why things may be going on, um, sharing with them how they can help the situation. So my client needs to always feel like they're in control of what's going on because that will let their brain feel more safe. Um, and having them use some of the breath work and visualization that we've talked about that help their pelvic floor. So just so that people understand it's, it's there again, so many factors and why we experience this type of pain um, that if just the physical tissue is the only thing that gets addressed and we don't go beyond that, it doesn't necessarily change, um, change our pain with that. So yeah. So in terms of naturally over time, in that situation, there's just more factors to it that that might not dissipate over time. Um, let's see. Oh, and then also uh, for some things, if medications may be needed um, or if it's hormone related, sometimes again, um, different, whether it's topical creams, things like that, that we defer to, um, to a GP or an OB or a urogynecologist um, to go over uh that specifically and and sometimes in combination that works really well with pelvic physio that that's what our clients need so good i love this conversation this is such can be such a frustrating one for people if they have gone to a doctor and their doctor has told them you know what just keep going just keep doing it and it'll get better the more the more times you do it and this is such a big topic to address because there's so many layers of potentially patriarchy and misogyny here. And just typically, let's say that this is a woman identifying person coming to the doc with this concern and the doctor really dismissing them fully and dismissing their pleasure. And it just keeps reinforcing that our sexual pleasure is not for ourselves, that it is for someone else, the partner or the partners that we are engaging in sexual intimacy with. One of the things that I talk to my clients a lot about is centering your pleasure in this intimacy because we, again, as women identifying people, that is not something that we have been conditioned to do or taught or encouraged to do. So for me, I know it has been so helpful and it's totally changed my experience of sex over the past three, four years is really centering my pleasure however I need to in partnered sex. And that can feel hard to practice at first, but can really change this in so many ways too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, um, and yeah, I do, I strongly encourage people who, if you're hearing this and yes, you, you've gone to providers who have said, have a glass of wine, chill out. Um, and things have not gotten better, um, because that won't necessarily make things better. Um, to, to voice your concern and get another opinion 
Um, if you can see a pelvic PT, I know not everyone has access to one, um, but it is an area that we are trained in and there just can be so, so much that can be helped um, and that it's not in your head that you are experiencing this. Um, and so, yeah, I would encourage you if you, if you've seek, if you've sought help and people are kind of turning you away or saying it's not real to not stop, to keep finding, looking for a solution, looking for an answer for someone who can help. Absolutely. And as always, what we talk about with pelvic floor physiotherapy is that it might only be a couple sessions needed to these to have these sensations really dramatically change for you. It might not be that you need to go like twice a week for the next six months to have something change. It usually can be like rapidly changing for a lot of people. Is that similar in your experience? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say definitely, I don't, I don't typically see people twice a week ever. Um, usually I find for a pelvic physio, it's, there's more time between, between sessions. So yeah, typically you wouldn't be going um, that often. I wouldn't say never, I guess, depending on what you're going in for, but that's not typically how often I see clients or many physios I know see clients. Love it. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 